0: Hey, Queens and Kings, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things podcast. We are down to the last two episodes of season two, and I'm thinking, Queens, what can we have to cover us better than our Kings? So this episode is going to be with a few Kings from Nashville. I wanted to do something a little bit different with this episode. I know with the Kings of Atlanta, we did kind of more of a dating, fun, asking questions. And some of those same questions were asked to the Kings of Nashville. But I wanted to have someone who was married, who'd been married for a while. Uh, I wanted to have a guy that had been divorced. And I wanted to have someone that was dating. Obviously the divorced guy is dating too. But I just wanted different perspectives. I wanted for us queens to hear what a king who is married has to say, how he chose his wife, uh, how married life is over time. A lot of you queens who are listening to this show have been married before. So you have an idea. You already know. He's probably not going to say anything that you haven't heard. But for the queens who listen to these three things podcast, who's never been married, I thought it would be some great insight to have from uh, one of our kings. Obviously, divorce is a real thing. Many of us have gone through it, myself included. And I thought that that perspective would be great. So we have some fun conversation. We have some laughs and we have some serious conversation. Most of you are going to say these kings are definitely different than the kings of Atlanta, but... As I always say, we as a people, we are not monolithic. We are not all the same. We are very diverse as a culture. And that is what I'm hoping to display on these three things podcast. So I wanted to close the season with our Kings. So we will have a part one and part two episode of the Kings of Nashville. As always, we have a little bit of business house business that we have to take care of before we get into the episode. Um, The episode with my daughter, Kimora, You guys have really loved that. I've had people reach out to me and tell me um, how much they enjoyed listening to the episode, listening to Kim uh, share. I think that she was very, very transparent and very authentic. We did not discuss what we were going to talk about. I told her that we were just going to talk about everything and be ready to talk about it. And I wanted for her to be sincere and... um, Be honest. Say how she really felt. And I believe that she did that. This is not a joke. I say this all of the time. If I were to die tomorrow, my children could give my eulogy and tell stories that only people in the room who were there would know because I have been an open book to them. I have shared the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yes, it's scary. Yes, I did contemplate, okay, do I really want to tell them that? And at an appropriate age, I shared But I wanted them to know some of, you know, the things that I've overcome, some of my successes. I wanted them to know who I am as a complete woman. Yes, I am their mother, but I had a whole entire life before they met me. And I want them to know who I was then and who they made me when they came into my life. So my kids know me. (laughs) (laughs) For whatever that's worth, they know me. Uh, And I like it. I like it that way. So I hope that you will... Uh, Let your guard down, be more vulnerable um, with your daughters and your sons and let them know you. They're going to learn a lot about themselves as they know you. Okay, so there's a place in the world that I'm giving applause to today and saying thank you to. And that place would be Italy. But I'm giving an applause to Italy today. I'm saying thank you to Italy or as we say down south, Italy. (laughs) just country country um i have had the opportunity to visit italy i enjoyed it i was fortunate enough to travel there to recruit i was recruiting uh for uh i can't remember which university now but uh i went to go watch usa basketball play in italy and it was amazing it was beautiful uh it was a bunch of us coaches there we ate good um, we just toured, we went to sites, we watched great basketball. So uh, Italy has been part of my listening group since the beginning as well. And I'm now being listened to in about 19 countries at this point. We've got about 19 different countries tuning in to These Three Things podcast. And I'm super geeked about that. And now let's get into this episode, part one with the Kings of Nashville on Marriage, Divorce, and Dating with Alfonso, Kevin, and Sperry. Enjoy. Trust uh. Alfonso Alexander is an award winning corporate, nonprofit, and community leader. With 30 years of leading, coaching, mentoring, training, and advising thousands of today's business leaders and entrepreneurs, Alfonso is known as one of the best developers for leadership talent and thought leaders in the United States. Through his successful strategic approaches to helping young leaders realize their potential, Alfonso continues to impact leaders and their businesses every day. Alfonso is an extremely popular speaker and trainer. Every year, Alfonso inspires audiences at conferences, university events, and corporate functions. With interactive presentations, he leaves audiences challenged, encouraged, and wanting more interaction with him. In 2015, Alfonso began assembling a tremendous team of talented individuals to help expand the work of the Alexander Success Group, ASG. With dynamic strategists and developers on the team, ASG assists both individual leaders and their businesses with defining and creating success. Alfonso, welcome to These Three Things.
1: Thank you i'm glad to be here
0: kevin mckenzie senior is a native of chattanooga tennessee he is the co-founder of Tailor made consulting llc for the last 17 years kevin has been an integral part of municipal and faith-based outreach with youth in the nashville area both in the state department of children's services and as a family involvement and community engagement leader as a licensed clergyman Kevin currently leads restorative practice implementation for the Southeast Quadrant in Metro Nashville Public Schools. Kevin specializes in change management, municipal and business partner engagement, motivational speaking, mentorship, and parental involvement. He was the 2018 Power Moves organization, and he is also the co-chair for Davidson County Community Advisory Board, and recently became a board member for the Transitional Life Center in Nashville. Kevin is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated and is honored to be the father to his two sons, Kevin Jr. and Christian McKenzie. Kevin, welcome to These Three Things.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Sperry Jones, a native of Detroit, Michigan, relocated to Nashville in the late 80s to attend the HBCU Tennessee State University, which has been a family tradition for generations. With positions in executive and middle management, he has over 27 years of healthcare financial management experience. In 2002, he founded Quantum Healthcare Solutions and was the only African-American-owned healthcare receivables management firm in the country doing business with hospitals. Sperry enjoys raising his four sons, traveling, and enjoying extended family. With a bachelor's degree in mathematics, he's encouraged by the work he does as a math tutor for students in the Middle Tennessee area. Sperry, welcome to These Three Things.
3: Thank you for the opportunity to come and speak with you. I
0: was like, brothers, how y'all doing? Because 2020 has been stressful. You know, it's been stressful for you guys, and I know that y'all have, you know, seen a lot this year. And not that, you know, obviously we have Breonna Taylor, but, you know, compared to our brothers, like women, we have not experienced any of the frustrations or or trauma that you guys have currently been experiencing. So how are y'all doing?
2: Uh, we're doing pretty good. We're just uh, trying to make it, trying to maintain, trying to hold everything down we possibly can.
0: Yeah. How does what you guys are seeing – Um, in the media, and with the deaths of all these men at the hands of police brutality, like how is that affecting you as you function daily? Is it at all?
3: Well, for me, uh, it's concerning because I have four sons myself. Mm -hmm. I call them my four kings. Yeah. And uh, I'm concerned about them every day. Um, And the difficulty in talking about the situation with them is a little confusing for them because you know, telling them the right things to do, they see now that that doesn't always work. Right. And so that's the, uh, that's the part. So uh, you just pray about it and uh, you know, ask God to cover them and, and, and send them on their way.
0: What's the age group of your sons?
3: I have a 22 year old, 21 year old, 17 year old, and a 13 year
0: old. And you know, Sperry, like it doesn't matter. The age of your sons, you still worry about them. I have a twenty-one-year-old, and yeah. I still worry about him. Yeah, he's I grown mean, technically, but I still <laughs> worry about him.
3: I mean, I've I've been pulled over in the uh, while my sons were in the car, and uh, you know they have to see how I react mm-hmm. and relate to them. So you're right. You, you the 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 concern is is all over. And it's not necessarily about when they're behind the wheel. It's when any of us are behind the wheel. Right. Yeah.
0: Because it could be any one of us. That's right. Brother Fonz?
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm conflicted, really, you know, these days, um, just about things in general. Pandemic, uh, you know, brothers getting killed. I mean, it even happened again this week. Jonathan Price. I hadn't seen a lot of news stories about that. But, uh, you know, so I'm conflicted in many ways just about what's going on in our environment. But overall, I'm good. You'd never know it Mm -hmm. because, you know, my my message is to encourage people. Mm -hmm. It's just who I am. Uh, But it's, it's challenging for me to find the best ways to encourage people when you always get different blows that come. Right. You know, so um, I tap into the Lord and my relationship with him, and that helps me. But it's it's a conflicting time right now in many ways.
0: And when you have to go into the workplace, I mean, do you guys work in environments where you're around uh, other races, Caucasians?
2: Yes. I w- <coughs> I'll say I work in education. So in the school system, uh, especially the school I work with, uh, we have at least 23 different uh, uh Languages is being spoken in our school, so I run across many different families and uh, many, many different employees that we work with, so we come across a lot of different people, and it's, it is conflicting, and it's, uh, it's confusing to a lot of our parents and a lot of our students.
0: So as black men, are you guys like your white colleagues and friends, people that you consider friends? Do they reach out to you, or do they act like it's not happening at all, or do you get a little bit of both?
3: I would say a little bit of both. Uh, It's interesting that you mentioned that. It was just maybe a week ago where uh, a couple people in our office, including my uh, direct line manager, um, was talking about what was going on in the world. They were talking political uh, issues and they asked me what was my opinion Mm -hmm. and they knew that was um, a difficult Area to walk into right. with me. They didn't know what my reaction would be, but I was able to share with them that, you know, with uh, the presidency, there's a limited term. So after whatever presidency uh, happens, we'll move on. We'll ha- we'll have another president. The right. world is not going to end yeah. uh, underneath <sighs> one president. So I told them that wasn't my worry. My biggest worry was what was going on with things that could affect my family. Mm -hmm. And that was my concern for my boys. And they had never heard my perspective because I'm the only uh, African-American that works with my company. So they hadn't heard my uh, experience or what my feelings were. And it, it changed the whole tone about them talking about, Discussions with Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter. It kind of changed their focus because now they have who they consider one of their own. Yeah. Where this has affected. And so it was a good conversation to have. But, of course, I didn't initiate it. I, I needed that right moment. To yeah. be able to save my peace. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Anybody else want to speak on
1: yeah, that? Yeah, I, I can. Um, to your question about our people reaching out? Yes. Um, you know, before George Floyd was killed, I was in this the space where I was like, man, my for the last 15 years of my career, I traveled almost extensively. So three, four days a week, I'm on the road somewhere, speaking, training, holding strategy sessions, doing Ooh. something, because that's what I have done in my career Mm -hmm. and when COVID hit and I couldn't travel I was like man I got to figure out how to reinvent myself because my family got to eat right Right. and I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do how I was going to shift some things with my consulting business how I was going to try to revamp some things with my property management company because we weren't getting staged just all kinds of things going on then George Floyd got killed and I would say every day for about a 15 day period. A white professional, mostly senior level executives, CEOs, senior VPs, etc., reached out to me and said, "Man, I just want to talk to somebody and I trust that you're going to be real with me." Yeah. And I had a lot of conversations. Some of them were emotionally draining because I'm trying to help people see what I live, right? Right. And and they were all in shock when I told them, man, you're more surprised and more outraged about George Floyd getting killed and you seeing that than I am. I'm outraged, I'm upset, but, like, you're in shock about it. I'm not in shock about it because my first reaction was like, oh, man, they got another one. Just right. like two days ago when I saw the guy in Texas, I'm like, man, they got another one. You know, and so... I'm, I'm not immune to it, but I've seen it so much. Right. And nobody should have to live like that because they don't, right. right? But I also will say that that has helped me because now I'm like, okay, people keep reaching out to me, talking to me about this. It has increased the diversity part of my consulting business, mm-hmm. right? great. So that's been a, a blessing for me as I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, and then this just opened up. But I will say, too, is it helped me also to just kind of understand why some white people are where they are. i give you what you said triggered it for me, Sperry. You work at a company. You say you're the only black person at your company, yeah. right? So it's, if there are people who work with your company that don't have to interact with you, right? they could go literally all day long at work. They can go stop and get some gas or go to the grocery store or something on the way home, still never interact with somebody black they could go to the restaurant with the family after dinner. And if their server or somebody is not black, they still don't have to interact with somebody black. And in the United States, unless you live right in the middle of a major urban center, you could live that life as a white person for days, weeks, even months without interacting with somebody black, unless you're intentional about it. So they never heard that from you because they never intentionally sought that. So what that says to me is they live in a little bubble, right? and because they live in that bubble, some of the things that are so egregious to us and that we live every day, they're oblivious to them. right? And so I came to that epiphany about 10 years ago and I stopped being mad at white people because they didn't understand our plight. I didn't excuse them from it, but I stopped being mad about it and said, I'm going to seek out the opportunities to help educate them so their sensitivity level will grow. So some of my friends were like, man, I'm hating that they're calling me, asking me this stuff. And my thing was, no, I'm glad they're calling me because I'm using it as an opportunity. Absolutely.
0: And I think, you know, just to jump in on that to your point, I think that we can't be weary now. Because for years they were never asking us or even reaching out and extending to create or have the conversation. Mm -hmm. So now that they are choosing to engage and want to have the conversation, this is not the time for us to all of a sudden be overwhelmed with having to answer questions. Uh, I I wanted to ask you to something that you said, and I'm coming back to you, uh, Kevin, in just a second. I wanted to ask you something to when you said that you now... um, look for opportunities to educate and to engage. What are some of the things that you do that can, for our brothers, our kings who are listening, uh, that you do to help initiate and engage conversations on race relations and just what you share? Yeah,
1: so, so I do it formally through training and education, but, like, informally with conversations, if something comes up, where normally i may have said or a few years ago i may have said oh man that's messed up that he said that they're insensitive i may have kept that to myself and just rolled on where now i may ask a question to say you know why do you think that or what's your perspective on that yeah and now that opens up some dialogue because what i what i always was sensitive to was i i didn't want to let anybody misunderstand who i am Mm -hmm. because first and foremost i'm a black man and i can't hide that i don't want to hide it right right so i'm very sensitive to that um but i might let some things slide well now i say instead of letting them slide i use them as a teachable opportunity and i do it by asking a question about their perspective and then i say well let me tell you my perspective on that Mm -hmm. and some people are Willing to engage in that conversation, some aren't, and then I just make the decision how far I let it go because mm-hmm. I'm not going to debate with them right. about it. But I do want them to understand the impact of what they said and how that <laughs> impacts other people around them.
0: Right. That's good. That's good. And Kevin, have your friends, colleagues reached out?
2: Well, I will say I was a part of a group uh, where it was organization was about 12 of us and we was all from different races, but I ended up being the only black man in this group. And so we go, uh, go through a dialogue and we go through a lot of different questions and it's, it's uh, spiritually based. And it was probably about four black women, then we had we had Asian, Italian, we had a lot of different people from all walks of life, but I was the only black man that could, that could speak for a black man's perspective. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our white counterparts were asking the question, uh about uh the things that were going on uh with george floyd and a lot of things that we as black people deal with and it was something that came up what the man said he, he made a comment he said well it, it's tough when we're sitting around the table and it's nothing but negativity being taught about black people in your household until you go to college wow and so when you go to college all you know is when you come home for christmas that's it's just Inward, word all these different types of things that's being said by black people and so how can you actually love somebody that you've been taught to hate in your own home and so it opened my eyes to understand why they don't really know and you know why we can't blame them for their own parents uh dysfunction in another situation where another guy i told him the difference between him losing his job you have a family business mm-hmm. that you can fall back on. But as a black man, I lose, I lose right. everything. I don't have anything to fall back on as far as my heritage and my family uh, money.
0: Right.
1: You know, to that point you made, man, about what they learned growing up in the household. So if you, if they live in this bubble, right, then, and they don't engage with us, then what they learn is from TV where... And there are studies out there that, academic studies that show how when somebody black commits a crime, you see this mugshot. When somebody white commits a crime, you might see them in a suit and tie, right? So they see these images that are negative of us. And then some of those images look just like the athletes they see on TV, right? And so they, they group those athletes in that same negative image that they have. That's why you hear people, commentators say to LeBron James, who has done so much for the communities. Right. That's why you hear them say, Shut up and dribble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When but if you listen to this guy and you get a sense for his passion and what he's done, he's a very intelligent guy. Right. right. And you can look at what he has amassed off the basketball court and also know it's a very intelligent guy. But their their perspective is exactly what you're talking about. What they learned and because they don't engage, they get from media, and that just adds to it. And so that's why I've decided i got to be intentional about just exposing them. Because what happens is they look at the three of us, we're professionals, they engage with us at work, and they feel like we are the exception. When I'm like, I know more black men like me who are doing the kinds of things that I'm doing than I do the people that I see these mugshots on TV. True. I know some of both, but I know a whole lot more of y'all and I do of them, right. So we're not the exception. You just need to get to know us,
0: right. Yeah, that's
2: I, good. I, can I give you an example of, of what happened when you remember the uh, Waffle House shooting? Yes. Okay. So when they put him out there as a shooter, they did not say the things that they would say about if the black person was the shooter. It wasn't right. a neg- negative connotation that was on that 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 particular white man where he was uh, a man of interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, black man, he's a killer, murderer, you know, all these negative, negative Suspect. things. Suspect. Suspect, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. those things. And they let him go home. That's just a whole nother sermon yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cultural conditioning,
2: man. Yeah. It is.
0: Yeah. We well, get you know, it all the time. We get it all the time. And I, not to, on. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sperry.
3: Oh, I was about to say that um, we really don't have a voice that speaks for us that shares what our real concerns are. You know? um, That's true. Yeah, I mean, if you, I I mean, we've heard about Black Lives Matter, but for my, even as a black person, I'm not sure what message Black Lives Matter is trying to convey. You know, sometimes it has to be uh, concise, intentional, And you have to repeat the same thing, and I just don't hear that. Mm -hmm. You know, at one time, and this was uh, before I recognized, but Dr. Martin Luther King was that voice. And what he said, he said often, and he said consistently. And everybody had a buy-in to it. And so no one really knows what our concerns are, and there's so much social media stimulus out there that's, uh, that's uh, so why do you driving think that the narrative. Is? Yeah, I, but, I can
0: tell you why. But why do you think that is? Why do we not have any men stepping up and speaking to what our brothers, our kings are going through?
2: I think you have to look at the history of everybody that stands up, they shut up. They
0: kill or they get they killed. assassinate. Uh-huh. And
2: so yeah. I think it's a fear factor Absolutely. of men that— that you know that. the truth, but you don't want to speak on it because you don't want to die for what you believe in. Right. And I mean, it's not, I'm not knocking anybody that doesn't do that, but I know for myself, if you realize your life is not your life and that it's the Lord's, I mean, you can walk in it. I mean, yes. but there's a lot of men that are strong enough to do that. It's just doing it is the hard part. And, and that
0: was the intention. I believe, you know, to assassinate our men who were speaking up and trying to move the needle for African-Americans in in this country was to create that fear so that you don't stand up anymore. Right, you okay. know, and I, am a big fan of until freedom with Tamika D Mallory and, right. uh, I support them. As a matter of fact, all of the t-shirts that I sell on these three things podcast, I donate a percentage to until freedom just because, you know, she, I have, I have followed Tamika for a while and she talks about the fact that she knows any day they might take her out, but she's already, de- she's already decided that it's okay mm. because moving the needle for us is more important to her than worrying about dying. Right. You know, and I respect that. I respect that. Now I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I'm not on the front line, ready to go die. So I donate my money so that she can have what she needs to go out here and fight for us, you know? So,
1: so I, I agree. Assassination of a black man is real. Right. And it can happen, not just physically killing you, but it can kill somebody's career and all that. And that, that, Helps hold people back. Yes. But I think one of the things is we got to have a new strategy. And what I've learned since George Floyd died is the most effective strategy I can have is if I find me a white guy and we go together because he can reach some people that I can't reach, right? right? Or she can reach some people that I can't reach. And together, I give validity to what he's talking about because I live it. And he can talk to this guy that will dismiss me as the angry black man. Because I ain't mad. I'm, I'm really not. Right. Right. But that's what they would dismiss me as mm-hmm. as soon as I start talking in some audiences.
0: You are listening to These Three Things podcast and the Kings of Nashville on marriage, divorce, and dating with Alfonso, Kevin, and Sperry. We'll be right back. For almost a century, Skerritt-Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Skerritt-Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding. A 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Skerritt Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at SkerrittBennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. So let's start off. Okay, we're talking and the purpose for us being here today is we're talking about uh, our kings and we have one gentleman who is married, Alfonso Alexander. Sperry, you're divorced, correct? Yes, Sperry correct. is divorced, not remarried. Divorce, Kevin is divorced, not, not remarried. Me, okay, this is great because uh, on the queens of Atlanta, everybody had been divorced. So, and Fonz, you have, this is your second marriage. Yes. Okay, I hope you didn't mind me. Just, we're here to talk about it. Okay, yeah, and I'm, we'll get yes, to it. All good. Okay, so um, let's just jump right in. And the first question that I asked the queens was, what do we women want? And so... I'd like for the two single gentlemen to talk about what you want in a woman right now. Like what matters to you in a woman? What are you looking for? If you are looking, if you were to start looking, what are you looking for? And then from Fonz, our married king, I want to know what you're looking for now that you've been married. And how long have you been married now, Fonz?
1: 19 years.
0: 19 years. So at 19 years, what are you looking for? So we're going to start with you, Kevin, first. And then you know, tell me what you're looking for in a woman.
2: Well, in a woman, I, I would say I'm looking for a woman who who thinks as iron sharpens iron. Uh, Look for a woman who who uh, pretty much is uh, pretty much open uh, to spont- spontaneity, uh, has a pretty well-rounded uh, mindset. Yeah. Uh, who actually can? Uh, who loves kids? Because I have two sons. One's 24. One's 12. Okay. Uh, and just understand if, uh, if they were not to have any more kids, how, you know, would they be okay?
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and uh, just someone who's willing to travel, someone who's, uh, who, who loves to uh, hang out and, you know, you can dress up and dress down, uh, you know, cook together. Uh, someone who's uh, not a homebody, but like I said, somebody that pushes me and some, I can push them and uh, it's just always complimenting each other. You know, it's like a game to me where we 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 do those uh, thoughtful gifts and those things that you just you think outside the box and you be like, oh, I thought about that. You know, it's just those different type of love languages that are very important that you try to uh, tune in on. And and that makes the I think that growth makes the marriage or the relationship grow.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, for me, um, I still have the idea that I would like to uh, share my time with my best friend. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the woman I'm looking for, I want to be open enough, uh, to become my best friend and, uh, share the times that I have. Um, I'm a, uh, I'm a dad. So, and all my boys play sports. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it would be helpful if they liked sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or even if they didn't like them, just enough to be able to share the time because mm-hmm. a lot of my time is spent with my boys and, and yeah. sports. So um, I'm a uh, co-parenter and we do a really good job of co-parenting. So uh, I, it would be helpful if someone was able to relate in that particular dynamic. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, there's not a whole lot that i have as far as uh, expectations okay uh for a woman but uh you know just someone who who is her own person um you know confident in in who she is and um and and can be honest about who she is and 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 we 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 make make things work yeah yeah
0: and the married perspective
1: yeah, so uh, I will have to say that I already have what I want. Okay. So I'm I'm good.
0: Okay, that's great, but I mean... You want me to
1: define that, though, well, now, right? Well,
0: no, I want you to elaborate 19 years into the game, what do you want now? Because, you know, as we're in relationships, our needs change, you know, they evolve. If you already, you know, physically and aesthetically have what you like, what is it that you need now with 19 years invested in this thing?
1: So I'll tell you what I what I do like, and what's just so good, I think, in a marriage. And, and I'm coming from my perspective, right? Yes. So w- where we are. So, it, and, you know, you can't define this, but it's a vibe, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a vibe where, like, when people are around you guys, they just know, they like, man, these folks got a vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, They good, they are good together. And that can be seen by other people because they see how you engage with each other, yes. and they know that it's cool and and that vibe kind of spills over to where when we're alone we can either be doing something that engages us intensely mm-hmm. and it's cool whether that's good or bad like whether we're having a lot of fun or we're having a passionate debate yeah and it's cool cuz we know at the end of the day we ain't going nowhere right, right. cuz we got that vibe right or we can be together and be alone And I'm way over here in this room. She's way over there in this room. Hey, you good over there? Yeah, I'm good. And we got a separation, and it's cool. Nobody's feeling like I'm not loved or I don't care because I'm not there because we we know we're solid there. And so there's a a level of peace that comes with that. And so for me, that vibe brings on peace. It brings on even an example, but it brings on an opportunity for us to – be really together when we want to and separate, but we still are and good. Can so we be independent
0: and everything's okay.
1: We can have our own lives. You Absolutely.
0: Know? So let me ask you something to that, because I think there's something to add or or to a question in that. Because both of y'all don't arrive at those destinations simultaneously. Like for example, you could be completely content with being on the other side of the house and, you know, doing your thing and on your laptop working or whatever it is that you do. And she might be, a woman could be like, you know, he's on the other side of the house. So at what, how many years in the marriage do you think that both of you had arrived at that place where our vibe is good? Like if he's over there and I'm over here, that's okay. We'll, when we get ready to get back together, do whatever we're gonna do, we, we're good with that. How long do you think it took before y'all arrived there?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, Cause I don't think we ever really fully arrived there. That goes in cycles, Ah, right? So sometimes I have to work or she has to work for that vibe to really be there. And then sometimes it's just natural. Okay. So there's a level of sensitivity that you have to have with your spouse to understand when she might need more from you than what you've been given the last couple of weeks. And sometimes she can say something to make you understand that, but most of the time she's gonna expect you to read her mind. Mm. And I don't know if you guys are <laughs> mind readers, but I know I'm not, <laughs> right.
0: right? Have not right. mastered that. yet. I,
1: I'm not good at it. So so we gotta build in ways to check things yeah, mm. and pay attention. And you know, I, I'm just a keep it real kind of husband, right? I feel like I'm probably a C at best at mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, because we got nineteen years in it, she will bring to my attention, "Hey, bro, you need to pay attention to this."
0: I need to get. I need some A's these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I
1: need you to. I need, I need you to a s- switch it up a little right. bit here, bro, because uh, I, I need you right now.
0: You yeah. Know?
3: Now the both of you brought up a good point because that does take a little work to be able to keep that vibe through the cycles, right? Yes. I don't know uh, if I can speak for uh, Kevin, but um, I know for me, when dating at at my age, mm-hmm. people aren't willing to go and put the work in to even get to another level. It's real easy uh, after divorce or after a relationship or at a certain age that you don't have to put as much work in. It's mm. real easy for a lot of people to say, you know what, That's I just can't do that. I can't put the time and effort into that. Yeah. So yeah. I run into that. So I, in a marriage, y- you know, it's best to, to work on those things. Right. You know, there's a commitment there. Right. I, I, I see that people are not as committed now.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. We're, we're, we're coming down that
2: road okay. on
0: commitment. <laughs> Okay, next question. Looks, do they matter?
2: (laughs) Looks do matter. I would say looks matter. Uh, I would say uh, it it matters to the person who enjoys what you look like. Right. I mean, it's not that you. But to you,
0: we're speaking directly from you, looks matter to you.
2: I like to have somebody that I can look at, Absolutely.
0: Okay, so weave, no makeup on, you good with all of that, like, because I've had some men to say that, and I had a friend, a girlfriend of mine that specifically wanted me to ask y'all this question. Shout out to my girl, Sandra. Um, that she's heard her male friends say that by the time a, take a, a woman takes her lashes, uh, weave, and makeup off, she's not even the same person <laughs> anymore. Like, I don't even want... I, who are you? So is that okay with y'all? Like, you know, that she, if a woman is glammed up to that degree that when she takes all of that off, it's like... Uh,
2: be honest with you for me i don't i don't think having someone who has to do all that i don't i don't have to i don't you don't really need want to all date, that i don't want to date anybody that has to do all that yeah because really on the inside will come out and shine you know so if you have a little blush a little lipstick and i mean you know you jazzy you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. your, like you said your vibe will bring it out so yeah yeah all that weave and stuff
0: so if you saw a sister super made up with a nice, you know, Brazilian body wave on, and you know, dressed beautifully, maybe a little more makeup than you like, would you not step to her, or would you still step to her? I would not step to her, just because of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't because that's not what I what I see. That's the first okay. person that. I see that's not after, what you like, right? But if we have a conversation, and then that conversation gets. Good, yeah. But the but the thing about it is, I mean, I, I'm not going to try to change her. That's just what she wants to do. But why are you doing all that? Right, because she likes it. It could be, or she's hiding something. Okay. So she
1: it. may be doing that more for her than, than for him because yeah. she likes it. Right.
2: I get it. Right.
0: Spare?
1: Well, for me,
3: we're gonna um, keep
0: Fonz the last since he's the married guy. You right. know, technically, <laughs> his appearance is already. You know, we know. Right.
3: right. Well, appearance for me... Um, does it matter? Well, appearance does attract my attention uh, initially. Mm-hmm. But getting to know someone uh, after that is more important for me. Mm-hmm. A person for me can look beautiful uh, just by how they carry themselves. Um, but I, I do agree with uh, Kevin that a little too much glam may fall off of my radar.
0: Okay, so let me ask y'all because we're all you know adults of a certain age. We're all over forty in this room, right? Um, do you think that that has evolved as we have gotten older? Would that chick been a a, a girl that you guys would have looked at in your twenties or thirties that was all glammed up? I don't think so. No,
2: I don't think I would have. I would have looked, and anybody that knows me, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can have a whole bunch of women after you, but it ain't the woman for you. Right? Yeah, right. And my my
3: my selection or, or my my preference has, for the most part, been the same. Been consistent. Yeah, it's been consistent, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so Alfonso, to, the, to our married uh, kings and for our queens who are listening, who are single and are looking, you know, that want to be married. I have, uh, you know, a lot of queen friends who want to be married again. They want to be remarried. So 19 years into the game, like, what are you expecting your wife's appearance to look like? I mean, yeah, maybe it's different than from dating because you know y'all around each other. You know, you know all the pomp and circumstance. We've already arrived and gone past that. So, what is your perspective now?
1: Yeah. So, so I share the opinion of these guys um, that that glam and all that stuff. That's that's not really uh, what I'm looking for. What I was looking for when I was dating because I'm I'm really one more of the authenticity. Yeah you know, I want you to be stylish. Style is huge for me. Mm -hmm. I want you to be stylish, neat, clean, but all that other stuff is not necessary. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't change when you get married, Mm -hmm. right? Right. When you get married, you want the same thing from your spouse. You want her to like, I I love my wife's style Mm -hmm. and, and I like for her style to continue Uh, But she and I laugh and joke a lot of times because like sometimes she likes to get glammed up Mm -hmm. and she knows that that's more for her Mm -hmm. than for me. Right. But if she's sharp, I'm gonna tell her you sharp, you yeah, know. And you and, should. And that's what and that's what I like. <laughs> you you want know what I mean? Peace in the
0: house. Yeah, know, yeah.
1: And yeah. and if she's sharp, and I don't tell her that, she's gonna let me know.
0: Absolutely.
1: Man, everybody else was telling me you sharp, but you, I was sharp, but you didn't. Yeah. You know, so.
0: But you do understand that that glam look is necessary for her sometimes because she just needs to know I can get like that if I want to.
1: Hey, and uh, and she does. Yes. Yeah. So I'm. Hey, I'm good with it. Yeah. I'm good with it. So. Uh, But I'm good either way.
0: So I have three yeses. Looks matter. Appearance matters. Yes. Yes. Okay, money. Let's talk about money. Does money matter for our two single kings here? Uh, Both divorced. To get married a second time around. Her credit. Credit is, is it important? Is it not important?
3: Well, for me, um, it is important. But having a good credit score immediately is not because i know how to work on credit so it's really a mindset behind it okay so we all get behind and let me
0: jump in on that how soon are y'all in the dating process are we start? are we talking about money and credit are we talking earlier are we talking once i know i'm interested or i'm not even gonna know if i'm interested till i know money wise what's going on with her
3: well the interest in everything comes over over time so uh, as far as credit report that doesn't come up immediately you know there are things that you have to work on you have to both decide whether you want to it's something that you want to pursue at a higher level so um i would say that takes a little while yeah
0: yeah it takes a little while but mm-hmm. money does matter to you yes it does uh-huh. and credit okay
2: yeah i would say money money matters uh in a sense, about, you know, the credit and and that only comes later because Mm -hmm. we never, we're not talking about who makes what. I don't think that's a conversation that always needs to come up in just dating because, uh, I mean, you're doing a checklist, you know, and that checklist is going to, you're going to lose interest. Like you said last time, you just, as you get over 40, you just kind of, I'm not putting all that work into that. You know, or they bring their old dysfunctions into that relationship that Mm -hmm. they had before they left, Mm -hmm. the last relationship. So money, money can matter, but I, and also I'm not trying to, uh, have that help complex all the time because, you know, I don't mind helping anyone, right? but there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they lean and it's, it's kind of tough because you're like, it's draining yeah. and you don't, I don't, I don't, that is not me. I don't, I don't feel like keep doing that for, for people. And then you lose it in a relationship Then you're like, oh man, you know, it's like a, like a child to me yeah
0: so the queens i will tell you guys because you know when i asked this question to the queens money absolutely mattered uh (laughs) they want to talk about but let me just tell y'all you have to go you know back and look at these queens they heavy with money though like they they bring it into bacon so they wanted a king who you know could hold his own he didn't have to make what they were making but they wanted a king who could hold his own and that that was a conversation that they actually wanted to have, they wanted to have that early because they wanted to, you know, talk about it. Let's talk about it because I don't want to, you know, fall in love with you, brother, and I find out your credit score is a 420, you <laughs> right. know, which was a conversation that we all laughed about because I was like, can a, can a credit score be 420? <laughs>
2: it right.
0: Can, but...
3: Yeah. It oh, wow. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, so that's an that's, that, that's interesting point because um, that is a testament to how things are you know men are looked upon as the priest the prophet and the provider yeah and so if you notice our conversations when we talked about what is expected from women mm-hmm. we were like uh, it's it's important but it's not as important mm-hmm. but you mentioned that your queen said is very important so that gives you a testament about uh number one where our thought process is as men uh that okay that's not necessary for you Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna have mine uh in order yeah and i wouldn't mind sharing my financial position early on if that mattered to someone that i was truly interested in
1: uh i know i'm not dating (laughs) uh but i i just gotta say what's critical is the attitudes about money right Mm. So if you got one person in a relationship whose attitude is very conservative and is like, we're building this for our children or whatever. And another person's attitude is that I'm spending, a, cause I can't take it with me. Mm-hmm. You know, then you got a conflict right there. Mm. And you so, do? Yeah. And, and I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that that was huge for the women. Because what that says is we still all have this this cultural conditioning that the men have to provide. So a woman, that's on her checklist. Can he provide for me? And a man is... Or at no, least is,
0: hold his own. Or
1: hold his own, right? Mm-hmm. He ain't gonna... He, I ain't gonna lose money because I'm with him. Exactly. Right. But a man won't even look at it from that perspective because we have in our mind that part of what I am gonna do is make sure she's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I might lose some because of her, you know what I mean, yes. or through this relationship, and so it's very interesting, but that's just you know people coming from different perspectives
0: education does education matter? Does she need to have a college degree? does she need to have multiple degrees? does she need to have a doctorate does she need is a high school diploma okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh.
0: Now, I, listen, what I want from y'all is I want y'all straight up. That's this because you can only speak for yourself. Right. Don't try to speak for all brothers and, and kings in here today. For you, does that matter?
2: I will say a high, high school diploma probably would matter right at this point. I, I would just say only because unless you're going to educate yourself, because there's a lot of people that, are, that don't have the college degrees that are smart. Correct. Because they are educated. But they're, you know. I just think that they would either have more education, not necessarily paper, but they would try to learn themselves or educate themselves a lot more.
0: Okay, talk to me. I, I prefer
3: college graduate because okay. I'm a college graduate. Yeah, yeah. But if someone had a high school education, I, that that's fine for me too. Yeah.
0: If and then you liked her and y'all had a good vibe. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, that's right. I feel you. Mm-hmm.
1: If she can in, if she can stimulate me intellectually. I'm good and that's that's I mean my wife stimulates me intellectually I'm not really sure what her highest level of academic achievement was so but um, if you graduated from high school and you can stimulate a guy intellectually then I think he might much much later hey where'd you go to school yeah you know because you've intrigued him so that he knows now that you've got some intellectual horsepower
0: Okay, so would it be fair to say, uh, higher education is a rather, but if you met a woman who stimulated you intellectually and was well traveled and cultured and sought knowledge in other ways, you know, but just not in an academic situation, that's that's not a deal breaker for you. You Would that woman would be an option?
3: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay, good. Mm. Size and weight. Size and weight—does it matter? Can she be a thick shake? Uh, do you? I mean, d- does it matter? And I and I'm going to start with uh, Fonz on this because you're married, and I'm just going to say, like, because you've been married 19 years in the game, and I've seen your wife. She's a beautiful sister. She's put together, but let's just say she she put on 40 pounds. You okay with that?
1: Um, that's an interesting question because we put on pounds too. So I can't be hypocritical in that regard, right?
0: That's the nice answer. But what I I, I want from you. I'm I'm not finished.
1: Ideally, I would like for us both to be as healthy as possible. That's more important to me than the actual size is the health. Yes. Um, But as we get into situations and we grow and we recognize some things, then if we feel like we need to make some changes, we need to do it. And I just say that simply because. In our 19 years, there have been times when both of us mm-hmm. have come to a, a point to where we said, Whoa, wait a minute. I'm getting too big. I need to do something about it. And we did. Okay. And the spouse acknowledged and supported that. Yes. There's also been times in our marriage where we were throwing hints to each other and that wasn't received well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so for what I learned. In that whole situation is a person has to get there themselves. And as a spouse, like if she pushing me because I like to go eat some birthday cake, then that might be a problem. Yeah. I might eat more cake. But if she's and if I'm pushing her, then that's that's going to be a problem. So we have to help and support each other. And that person has to get there first. Yeah. But ideally, we both want to be healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Queens and Kings, I think that's a great place to stop for this episode, part one, with the Kings of Nashville on marriage, divorce, and dating with Alfonso, Kevin, and Sperry. We'll see you next week for part two. And remember, you can listen to These Three Things on iHeartRadio and Pandora. You can also follow on Instagram at these3thingspodcast.com. YouTube at These Three Things Podcast and Facebook at These Three Things P. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode.